Welcome to Sung's Garage. Now, this is more than just a place to work on cars. This is a place where I'm able to connect with people, talk story, and share them with the world. Today, our guest on Your Car, My Car is my good friend, Jeff Allen. I met Jeff back at SEMA in 2016 when we unveiled the Maverick Underdog, and since then, we've become really good friends. Now, Jeff is a big car guy and is in the movie picture car business. Jeff shares with us how he got started in the business. He said, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine. He just got through doing Too Fast, Too Furious, mm. the movie. Mm. And I was like, I said, uh, you mean the, the sequel to The Fast and Furious? You know, I was like, uh, yeah. all right, well, that's kind of cool. So I went to his warehouse, which was in Pico, and um, he had all these cars from the movie. And I mean, multiples of those cars. Right, right, right. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store. And he shares with us a few cars, including some from Ford versus Ferrari. Since this is an outlaw version, just kind of like this right here, which I think is so sick, but you got stopwatches. Oh, oh wow. wow, look at that. Isn't that cool? That yeah. is amazing. That's really cool. Wow. He had me at the stopwatches, so I was like, Yeah, I'm buying it. That was a tipping point. My co-host today is David from the What to Watch panel. Uh, we had so much interesting stuff to say. We had to make this a two-parter. So here's part one. All right. Hope you enjoy. All right. Be good. Wait, what's... Oh, you got the back... The bat, Batman. I got the there. Batmobile, but I also have... A, I have one more picture, but I, I want to save it. Is that your... You think that would be your dream car, Dave? Dude, I this is this is oh, I'm not sure if we're talking about anything, but this is the car I feel like that I've seen in a film that I feel like was it's practical, right? It doesn't look like totally. it was, and and it did its job when during the during when they were trying to break the uh, uh, break break out that one guy in 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 that in that one convoy scene underneath the tunnels. And I thought, like, oh. wow, man, this car is really doing its job. Like, it's not there for looks. It's actually doing everything. And I thought, like, it was one of those visceral scenes. I thought, like, like in, in cinema, it looks so good. But they could have made it look so much better with enhancements. But I feel like they didn't. I feel like they really did use this car and rampage through, you know, through the city. So... I so feel like that's like the Daniel Craig of Batmobiles, you yeah. know, for like what Daniel did for the James Bond character, that car did for the Batman series. Yeah. It, yeah. It totally did. made it like, oh, that's realistic. <laughs> yeah. Even, even when it, even when the bike transformed out of the, the car, do you remember that scene? And totally. it, and it, and it, it became a motorcycle with two of these big fat wheels, you know? And I thought, like, wow, that's so awesome. And then it drove up the wall and flipped, and then he turned around and then, like, drove all away again. I thought, like, yeah, that's why I love this car. It's just, it's one of those scenes where I realized, man, they, I, this is the, one of the only cars I can remember that they used the stunts. Other than, like, if you watch the old Knight Rider with, uh, you know, David Hasselhoff and, they always cut the scene where he's jumping, but we'll never see it land because if you land that, is it wasn't a Trans Am. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. That would. I'm not sure, but I think that car would demolish. Like it would be well, like total. Right. It would fold in half. It would fold in half. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Hey Jeff, what is this car? What is this Batmobile car? What's is it a is it on a Humvee chassis? Or how, do you know anything about this? I don't. I know that uh, um, after the movie came out, I scrambled to see if I could buy it, <laughs> and and nobody would sell them. Uh, but uh, it's, I think it's a one-off custom-built vehicle. I, I mean, from all I all I know about it. I mean, I know I know more about the motorcycle because they put out more about it, and the stunt guy that that actually did the riding on the motorcycle because they made the motorcycle with those tires that he's talking about, but. Uh, if you look at the scenes, you'll never see that bike going straight. It's on one camera uh, or the other because when the stunt guys went out and practiced it straight, you couldn't turn the bike, and it was just horrible. But as long as they could stay on the ridges, they could ride it through the scenes. Uh, so, man, it looks so good when it was cool. riding. There was like a tracking shot of it, and it's turning. 
and you know you hear the er, 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 of the wheels i was like the, the it must be real it must they must no, those those wheels don't sound like that right that's a that's I'm a sure sound yeah. i'm yeah, sure it's know, a sound I, effects I, guy but i mean it, it, it's a cool shot in the in the motorcycle is real i mean it and it really did work so that was pretty incredible yeah. so I mean, whatever enhancements they did with the sound effects, it just made that thing like come to life. So, you know, again, th this car, I mean, I would like the, you know, Adam West version too. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. The old school. <laughs> the old Futura. school. Yeah. yeah. Is that, what was it called? What was it? What kind well, of car it was, was based it? Futura. It's a Futura, but it was based. Yeah, it was based off the whole concept of a, a of a vehicle that was a, a prototype that oh. you know Ford was working with and took it on tour. You know, like this is the future. You know, with those bubble kind of oh, canopy openings man. and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, the Batmobile have always had its place where they made a big splash, and you know, I don't. I mean, even the Tim Burton one too, like a jet yeah. in the front or something. That stuff would look crazy. You yeah. could buy the replicas for the, the original Batmobile. That's a Ford right. Galaxy chassis, right, Jeff? Uh, yeah, some of them are, and some of them are just different. Like some have done them with Lincolns. You just need a full yeah. full size frame, and then they start building them off of that. They're calling them. Uh, I think they call have to call them Gotham Cruisers to get around the whole Warner Brothers, you know, rights thing. But oh, uh, yeah. Huh. Hey, yeah, so it looks, like, it looks like the mobile. I don't know how it does. I want to tell Dave how you got started buying movie cars and your kind of origin of where you are today and how we became friends. Um, but oh, I want okay. to start with your love affair with cars and how that led to basically what you're doing today. So kind of give us, give David a history. I know all this, but David doesn't know yeah, why I, you know all these things about movies and cars. So, Okay, well, David, it started a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away with a bunch <laughs> of little Hot Wheels. No, my, uh -huh. my dad was a my dad was a big car guy. He was in the Air Force, and he had '57 Chevy that uh, I lovingly still refer to as to this day as my older brother because he still has it. He's owned uh -huh. it since 1969, and um, there were bigger pictures in the house of that car than anything that I did at school. So uh -huh. you can kind of see where the priorities yeah. were. Yeah, but, yeah, priorities. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was like I was kind of just. You know, uh, they say baptism by fire. I was thrown mm -hmm. into a car family. So mm. um, I just loved everything automotive. My dad would take me to drag races. He would say, you know, even, even when I was super young, where all I could do is say like red one or blue one. I couldn't even know the cars or the people, but I would just kind of guess which one I thought would win. Yeah. So I was always fascinated by that. And then my dad owned automotive shops. My uncle was a car oh. dealer. And, mm. and my grandfather had a, um, a transporter and we would go on these little road trips where he would buy cars, put them on the transporter, haul them all the way down to Juarez, get them painted, new upholstery, bring them back over and sell them in Texas. So that was kind of, you know, I, I don't think I could have turned out to be anything else, you know, definitely not a hairstylist or anything. So you originated from Texas? <laughs> I actually from California. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But you put other cars in California or in Texas? I, I well, you know, so I, I think I left California before I was five. So we moved to Texas. My dad, like I said, my dad was in the Air Force. So, but even back then, when you look at the the photos and stuff uh, of when I was a baby, I mean, my photo pictures are like on the hood of a '67 Corvette 427 car with you know 435 horsepower and tri carbs, you know, and and uh, just some weird stuff like that, or a GTO convertible. Mm -hmm. Or uh, 67, you know, my mom had a 67 Camaro and stuff like that. So wow. I think car, cars were always a priority, you know, yeah. and even even on an Air Force salary, my dad would, you know, make those car payments and he, he would, he wouldn't buy new cars, but he would go and maybe buy a Galaxy 500 XL with the big motor in it and soup it up and change things to make it, you know, to his liking and uh, to the point to where we, even when I was in high school, my naiveness on certain things was, uh, my dad's 57 Chevy had uh, uh, interior out of a 65 Impala. So it had bucket seats. It had a, the, the, the rear back seat had that Impala speaker in the middle, which is famous for Impalas. Uh -huh. And so we went to uh, my first uh, 
collector car auction in Scottsdale, Arizona one year, right out of, I think it was like 1989 or 88. And uh, I, my dad was checking out this 57 Chevy that was there. And I was like, wow, it's cool. But I go, it must be a base model. It's got this big bench seat, ugly interior. <laughs> you know, it wasn't cool. And uh, he kind of chuckled and laughed about it. And he's like, son, mine's, mine's not original. But, you know, growing up with that car, I thought yeah. that's how it came out of the factory. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah. So, 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 your, so your dad does a lot of, like, work on the cars. And, you know, he did, I mean, yeah. restores, restores cars. Is that would be the thing no. that he did most? No, he had a um, he had an automotive, so he would mostly work on late model stuff. And, and then uh, they would, you know, after hours, they would crack open the – coke box and pull the beers out of the top shelf that they had stored all day mm-hmm. and they'd pull in their race cars my you know my dad had a 57 chevy and a 67 corvette mike one of the mechanics that he met um out of the air force that you know he worked with them and they would work on their hot rods in their yeah, spare yeah. time they didn't do it on you know business time they they were strictly business you know fixing mm-hmm. things right. um and so you know every summer that's where i spent most of my time you know uh, was in a shop yeah. So, was and then by the time I had, driver too? what's was that? He, was your dad a racer too? Was, he, drag he drag raced. Ah. Dra- it was, it was, uh, drag racing was the big deal in Texas. And, 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 um, you know, I guess back in the day, my dad said, you know, when he was in the Air Force and, and putting himself through school, cause the Air Force had a college program that he would actually street race in San Bernardino and Riverside with the 57 Chevy for book money. So that's how he got all of his books paid for was uh, street wow. racing. So wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's so, the original like uh, Dom, Dom Dominic Toretto. <laughs> yeah, just a little rounder. We call him the yeah. round man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, he you, was you, he was you, thinner back then though. So, yeah. Did yeah. you so guys I, hear that the the rise of street racing has gone up since this coronavirus lockdown? Seriously, totally. wow. LA, it's it's gone up like. They're they're impounding cars every day. So many cars because people are going crazy, and there are cars out, so people are are racing. They've, they they there's spots in LA that have, that is that have come up where people are, I guess, on Twitter or they're on social media, and they basically they're doing Fast and Furious. Yeah, exactly. Life. Like like they're probably like you know having people watch out for cops coming around or something like that. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, well. <laughs> yeah yeah but they've been doing that they did that even like um even back in the early you know the late 80s early 90s when i moved back to california i moved back to california in 88 um after i gave my parents kind of an ultimatum it was kind of sad when you look at it but i was like i'm going to california one way or another with you or without you so my mm-hmm. parents walked up everything why? and went with me and moved why? us why out did, why did you want to come to california what, you, what was the thing called well, you know, what I found out soon, you know, like, um, well, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but uh, growing up with asthma, I was restricted on a lot of activities, right? And I, I knew early on that um, things that I thought I wanted to do when I was growing up, like be a, a, a Navy pilot, uh, be a Navy SEAL, do some of these crazy jobs. We're just not going to physically, uh, I, my body wasn't going to be able to handle it. And the other thing was, is, is coming to the realization, like I was too tall to fit in the cockpit of an F-14 Tomcat. So that was out the window. Wow. Um, and the guy, you know, and luckily the, the Navy recruiter told me, he says, you could fly cargo planes. And I was like, well, that didn't sound so <laughs> glorious, you know, even though there's, there's, a, there's a job for everybody. So for me, early on, I was like, the one job that I looked at where you could be all you wanted to be, other than the Army, because that's your slogan. But mm-hmm. you could you could go become an actor, and you're gonna you could play a firefighter, you could play a police officer, you could be in space, you could do everything that you want to achieve in your life on this you know on the screen. So that was a big uh, catalyst for me. And and growing up in Lubbock, where your only escape was either street racing or movies, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you know there wasn't anything else to do. So in my mind when we would come out and vacation in California, it was just like epic. And I was like, I, I was born in California. That's where I need to be. That's where stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, my uh, sophomore year in high school, we moved to California. Uh, I thought we were going to land in like a really cool place like LA 
or Newport Beach, you know, the places that we would vacation in yeah. or Anaheim. Yeah. We ended up in Temecula. And okay. uh, when we when we landed in Temecula in like circa 88, I think it was, it was, uh, there was like one restaurant, the Sizzler. And oh. I, I, thought, I thought I'd made the- Nothing the, wrong the, with that. Nothing wrong with that. I thought I made the biggest mistake of my life. I was like, I went from a town that I thought sucked to another town that I thought totally sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got to I got to football practice and the, and they told me that uh, I said what's the team name and they're like the Golden Bears and I'm like wow that doesn't sound too tough. I came from a school that where we were the Fighting Eagles and I moved to California yeah. and now I'm a Golden Bear. The Golden and Bears. The, our uniforms were like uh, you know poop brown and gold. <laughs> oh. I was like I was like man I made some bad choices in life, you know. So uh <laughs> So I really stuck to the car scene, and it was kind of funny because even through high school, the coaches uh, would yell at me, have meetings. You know, Jeff, you're not putting enough focus in, uh, you know, in sports, and, and this could be your career. You could go pro, and I'm like, that's all great and fine, but if I don't save enough money this summer working, waiting tables or doing whatever I need to do, I'm not going to be driving that Corvette to school. Yeah, so. Right. I really put those priorities ahead of everything else. And I kind of knew at that point that it was, uh, cars were just in my blood. You know, I, right, right, I bought right, my right. first car at 13. Cool. Um, I had a Wait, 69, yeah. I had a 1969 Z28, uh, hmm. all original car with the matching number motor was in the trunk. It had a 350 under the hood with angle plug heads, but in the trunk was the, the, the block to the, the 302 DZ motor. And all the stuff, and and it was uh, it was a weird story. We had traveled around for I don't know, probably like six months. It was kind of one of those cool adventures. You you look back with your parents. Might not have seemed so cool in the moment, but when you look back, you're like, wow, this is before the internet. This is really before cell phones. Mm, you know, yeah. this is really before anything. And my dad was making calls at pay phones. We would take quarters, and we would go to a town, and he'd make some calls and, and know somebody that knew somebody that they went to high school together with somebody. And that person would say, oh, yeah, I know. If you go over to this side of town on this street and make a left, there's a, you know, there's a Camaro for sale. And we literally did that. Like, weekend wow. after weekend, we would drive all over Texas and New Mexico looking for Camaros. I originally wanted a hugger orange car. That was the just, I, I just thought the orange was in your face, white stripes, yeah, white yeah. houndstooth interior. I wanted that. And I ended up with Cortez silver with black stripes. Um, but it, it was the coolest thing ever. And then it, th that whole story almost could be like a, uh, maybe not a movie, but a mini series because we went to this guy's place at Buffalo Lake was, it's so funny because we drove all around the whole state, right? And the, Texas is huge and New Mexico looking for cars. And yet this car was literally f like 10 miles from my house at, at, at this place called Buffalo Lake. Hmm. Well, they, and the guy insisted on taking cash, which is a weird deal. And most people nowadays in California wouldn't understand it because everybody just loves cash. But back in, in the eighties, cash wasn't the way it is today that back then you just wrote a check to yeah, you wrote a check. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy insisted on cash. And uh, my dad's like, all right, well, my mom worked at a bank at the time. No problem. We'll get you the cash on Monday or whatever. Well, anyway, my dad bought his pickup truck to kind of reduce the price for me on the Camaro. So it made the 69 Z28 3500 bucks, which is crazy to think about that in this day and age. But uh, wow. that's what the car was. So we bought both cars, right? And uh, the guy had all these awesome Camaros out there. There's like 12 of them undercover, big blocks. 67s, all the first gen cars, and uh, there was my Cortez Silver car. So we we got it home. Anyway, about six months later, in the news at night, when you're sitting around the TV on Friday night, this guy gets pops for uh, counterfeiting money, oh, and ends up doing big time. For wow. it, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. yeah, he went to a grocery store, passed off a fifty, because, and then my dad's like, no wonder he wanted these denominations yeah <laughs> you know, that's weird wow when you look back on it you're like oh it <laughs> makes sense but yeah, time, yeah. you know now you have stories to tell oh, my yeah, Lord. yeah so uh, <laughs> yeah my, my my first car came out of a counterfeiting scam yeah, so, uh, yeah. you uh, met the you met the catch me if you can of car guys huh? i know right yeah, yeah. Money. Well, only so, in the 80s the pre-internet you, you know a lot of people would try and get away with things without 
you know, it's very analog, you know, like, you know, any money now, like, you know, I don't know if Bitcoin's real, but then, you know, <laughs> I always feel like, you know, there's only fake money out there now <laughs> or totally. virtual money. Totally. And I think what I think then, you know, um, I mean, back then, you know, here's a car I bought at 13. I was so excited to have the car. And yet, and it's kind of a, a ironic part of the story, but I could get my driver's license at 15 in Texas, which is kind of cool. And so I'm getting fired up and I, we're, we're pushing that date. You know, I'm going to get my, my license in May and it's going to happen. And then my dad sits down with my mom and they have a conversation unbeknownst to me. And it was basically, this car is going to kill our son. It's too mm. fast. Because if you think about a 69 Z28, they're all four speeds. You know, there were no automatics back then. They didn't have power brakes. They didn't have power steering. Uh, you know, they were just raw, you know, uh, yeah. road race cars is what they were designed for. So they're probably right. I mean, yeah. is that, <laughs> I probably is that car be behind you a road race. racing car? The car, What's that? the car behind you is that a is that a road racing car? Is, is uh, yeah, this is it, from you, uh, you with the it? movie Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that's amazing. I, 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 the movie is great, by the way. Uh, that movie is probably one of the well, had some of the best racing scenes in in one of those uh, in the on a racetrack I've seen in modern time. Uh, and is that is that, is that, did you buy that car? Uh, yes. Wow. From, yeah. from the from well, Dave, you don't know. So so, Jeff, explain how you got into buying uh, movie cars. So from high oh, okay. school to yeah, because Dave right, doesn't so know we'll, that's. Uh, we'll fast forward. So all of a sudden, um, I, I think it's like around two thousand two ish era. Um, a buddy of mine who works for um, Source Interlink, which was, you know, car magazines, we ended up and done some stuff because he wanted some comparison things. And he said, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine. He just got through doing Too Fast, Too Furious, mm. the movie. Mm. And I was like, I said, uh, you mean the, the sequel to the Fast and Furious? You know, I was like, yeah. all right, well, that's kind of cool. So I went to his warehouse, which was in Pico, and um, he had all these cars from the movie. And I mean, multiples of those cars. Right, right, right. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. And, Why did he uh, have them? Why did he have those cars? He built them. Oh, he built oh, them. What was his yeah. name? Yeah. What Ted Mosier. Ted Mosier. Oh, okay. And Eddie Paul, Eddie Paul, Eddie Paul, Eddie Paul did the first fast cars for uh -huh. the first fast movie. Yeah. And then because of the size and quantity they needed for too fast, then Eddie reached out to Ted and say, let's collaborate. Let's build these cars. So what were their, what's their history? How did they get involved in the car building? Were they, were they OG car dudes or were they just picture car guys? Well, um, Ted was from Colorado and he had gotten through, uh, he gotten hooked in with his dad, I guess had, had worked at some point with some doing some Westerns and oh. Ted got picked up to do some Western movies. And then he had a garage up in, in Colorado. And when they were filming out there for some movie, he was repairing all the cars and he got, uh, he got hooked into it that way. And then they started, you know, doing some stuff like that. And then, and then Ted moved to California, but really what catapulted the whole deal was he had done some movies, but, uh, once, you know, too fast came around, I mean, you, 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 the size, you know, if you look at the key list from too fast, it was like, I don't know, 200 and something, odd cars and it may not sound like a lot now because we're into fast nine and there's probably 200 something plus cars there too you know yeah but uh back in the day that you know the first fast they didn't have near that kind of you know oh, budget yeah. of cars yeah and yeah. so eddie knew eddie was a eddie was an El, El Segundo, and eddie was a, a very very talented uh brainiac you know he built a bullet that the government bought off of him traceable yeah. So if you if you ever want to look up Eddie Paul, unfortunately, rest in peace. Eddie was a good friend of mine, but Eddie has passed away. But Eddie had done cars for Sung to kind of answer your question. Eddie got involved back with, uh, you know, like I think it was not Happy Days, but he did he did Cobra with Stallone. Oh, oh yeah. He did and he did Grease. He did the cars for Grease. Oh wow. So Ooh. Eddie had been doing that for a long time. Eddie was a stunt man. He was friends with Jacques Cousteau and Jacques what? Cousteau's son. Yeah. No, cool oh, thing. Man. If, you, if you Google Eddie Paul, you'll, you'll trip out because, you know, every time Discovery 
launches that seal out for Shark Week. Yeah. And the shark comes, ah, yeah. right? Eddie, that's Eddie's seal. And that's, and Eddie made that seal. Uh, he also made a great white shark out of titanium with the skin and stuff. So Jacques Cousteau's son could get in it and swim with the great whites. Wow. That is creative. Yeah. So he made some, he made some sick Very stuff. Every time he went to Eddie's place, he would, he would come up with these weird inventions so wow. Eddie did Eddie did Triple X too, sung so oh, okay. you know where th that relationship oh, wow. came from. In fact, okay. one of my prize positions, I still have it here, is I have a rocket from the first Triple X GTO, and uh, it's signed by Eddie. Well, you know how most props you'll see them and they look great on film, but they like crap in your hand, right? They're not. Yeah. They're not. There's a lot of stuff that's just not really nice. I bought some of it and I get <laughs> it and I go, "Whoa, this is yeah. junk." I could have made this. Eddie's rockets for that GTO were CNC'd all out of uh, anodized aluminum. So when you see the rockets, stuff, you're like, wow, it's, and, and it's just really well constructed. Well, it took me, because I was selling so many cars on eBay and stuff, Eddie mm. was scared to death to give me one, figured it was going to end up on eBay. So it took, me like, it took me like seven years to get one, you know? <laughs> and he purposely put really big two Jeff because he's like, the only person right. you'll be able to sell it to is another Jeff. Right, you know? right, right, right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, yeah. yeah, he was cool. He's the one that uh, he invented. If you th think about the RX-7 from Fast and Furious, when, when uh, mm. Dom lifts up the seat and, and hooks up those nitrous bottles yeah. under yeah. the seat, yeah. that yeah. was actually scuba equipment. And Eddie came yeah. up with that because the director's like, we want something cool, but we want it hidden. Like, he finds it opens it up and it's a secret compartment. So Eddie came up with those actual scuba tanks. I mean, they don't, they don't make a nitrous oxide system like that ever. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I had that wow. seat. I, I had that seat. The actual oh, the, seat. The, the hidden, the hidden compartment. Yeah. yeah I had the seat. I had one of the fenders off the Supra. I had a bunch of stuff from that. I had a, a lot of the, uh, uh, nitrous oxide chrome, you know, polished tanks that Vin would carry around in the shop. So, yeah. So anyway, getting back to that, yeah. I mean, I love cars, love movies, and the two together is just like, I mean, I'm like squirrel, you know, squirrel. Yeah. I got to go for yeah. it. So I meet Ted. He's got this huge collection of cars. I start buying cars from him, and then I start helping him sell other cars. And then one thing led to another. The next thing was there, he's introducing me to Charlie Sheen, and Charlie Sheen's like, hey, can you sell some cars for me? And it mm -hmm. just uh, kind of snowballed from there. You know, I, I bought, uh, I bought one of Matt Damon's, uh, I bought Matt Damon's 65 Corvette Roadster when he broke up with so-and-so, I forgot her name and he needed, uh, he, he just didn't want it around. So I bought it off of him. And so I just kind of spooled from there. Oh, and man. then, uh, yeah. And then I got into, uh, I got to the point where I was renting some cars to the movies and doing stuff like that. And just in with Ted and, and it's kind of how it all started. And then, yeah, uh, good. Yeah. Well, and you, then, you know, your hobby you becomes your business. What's that? Your hobby becomes a business, right? I mean, yeah. what better way? Not even a, it wouldn't, I would, I would say your, your, your hobbies are your just passion. pretty much, yeah. It just becomes integrated. You know, it's, it's, it's not even a, you don't even consider it a business at that one point. No. And, and, and if you ask Meg, she would wish I considered things more of a business than, uh, <laughs> than personal, yeah, of course. but I, I can't help it. It's like, uh, you know, if you ever see me at an auction and I got dark sunglasses on, it's not because it's sunny. It's normally because I'm shedding a tear or two if I got to sell a car or two. So, uh, oh. um, it's, it's one of those things that I hate the stereotypical thing. And people always have this thing about, you know, Oh, you're just a used car salesman. I'm like, no, if I had all the money in the world or I didn't have to worry about making an income, I would never sell anything. Yeah, right, so, right. Yeah. Why do you think used car salesmen in America have gotten such a bad rap, Jeff? I wanted to ask you that question. What, what's the deal? What's the stigma be t behind used car? Because you used, used to work at a deal. You used to be like a, used to run Mitsubishi dealership, didn't you? Didn't you have a dealership? Well, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that story. So, um, my dad wanted me to take over his automotive shop when I was getting out of high school and he was going to pay me really well to run it. And I didn't want to do that. And I'd kind of blown my opportunities to go play football at college because I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to be an actor 
And my dad sat me down one day and said, look, I'm just looking at you. I'm going to tell you point blank. You're no Tom Cruise. (laughs) You you need to go get a day job while you're living this pipe dream. And I'm like, all right. And so I I sat down hard and I, I looked back at what I did when I sold my 69 Camaro and how much money I made and this and that. And I said to myself, you know what? I, if I go to work and be a car salesman, I can practice acting every day. You know, I can practice liking this person, liking this car, liking this deal. (laughs) So I literally jumped into it that way. And you find out about the persona when you go into it, because there's this misconception that there's a lot of profit to be made by car, you know, by car dealers. Hmm. And if you actually looked at the profit margins nowadays, they're, they're nowhere near the significance that people make them out to be. I mean, there's, you know, I think, you know, real estate people make way more than, you know, a car salesman does, you know. Um, but it was, it was a way for me to get in without a college degree. It was something that I wanted to do. And I thought it would give me the freedom to hit auditions or hit, go to school, you know, at night, uh, take some acting classes, do all that stuff. So for me, it was an opportunity. And I did. I took every customer as I was auditioning. So mm. if I sold them a car, then I got the part. If I didn't sell them a car, then I, I took it as, you know, a failed attempt at an audition. So that was kind of the way I looked at it. And, um, you know, I was, the, I was one of the youngest, uh, I don't want to say all time in history because I could think that curve keeps moving. But I, I started as a salesman and I worked my way up in a very short amount of years. I was in the business for 12 years. And in that 12 years, I became GM of my own store. And, um, you know, I, I did that before I, I was 30. So part of it was like, you know, those accomplishment levels. Yeah, and, uh, that's great. And, yeah. And I would, I would leave those places to go to other stores and do things. Cause like, like one time I had a meeting with uh, one of the GMs of Mossy Ford in San Diego. And I said, uh, Hey, uh, you got, a, a, you know, opening for a sales manager job. I, I, I want, I want that job. And he said, well, I don't, I don't bring in any sales manager under the age of 35 because you're not going to re- command the respect of the sales staff. And I was like, wow, that's heavy. But I didn't accept it. You know, I didn't take that as an answer. So literally the very next day I met with a Toyota store in San Diego um, that uh, really was in dire need of good help. And uh, next week I was on the desk at a Toyota store. So I just, I kind of never took no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of what motivated me about that. But getting back to Sung's question, because I've gotten really far off topic, mm-hmm. uh, pe- people just have a misconception about car dealers and the fact that they make all this money or they're selling lemons or, or stuff like that. And, 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 and I'm not saying there's not a few bad apples out there, but it's just like every industry. Those few mm-hmm. bad apples ruin it for the good people. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of gray area back in the day. I mean, you know, interest rates were like 15% was a good rate at one oh, time for a, car, for a car loan, right? And so, yeah, that's uh, bad. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and everybody was like excited when it went down to 8.9. You're like, woo, you know, <laughs> look where we are now. So yeah, it, it's a lot of that. And then there's a lot of those, you know, even service stations and repair shops that get known for, oh, look, ma'am, you have an oil leak or, oh, sir, look this, you, you need to replace your brakes. And they're showing them stuff that's faulty and, you know, misleading. And so the car business kind of got that stigma. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the car business, uh, you know, also used to have some weird incentive programs like, uh, you know, uh, uh, for lack of a better term is like hookers and blow. You know, mm-hmm. I mean? So in the seventies and eighties, it was kind of like a, a crazy time. And, uh, for that and, and people were capitalizing on it. So, when I went into it, it was, it was more mainstream. There was, there was money to be made. I think the first full month in the car business for me, which was a lot of money at 18 was, uh, $8,000 and I blew everything, leather couch, big screen TV. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have enough money to buy, you know, top ramen. (laughs) But that still doesn't answer the question is if I go through my history of car buying experiences and you know, and first to count the last experience I went through, Jeff, because I was on the phone with you and you right. advised me to just go with your buddy. But then I wanted to go through as a dude, the whole car buying experience for some reason. I don't know. I'm, 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 I, I know it's going to be a, a shit show when I get there, but 
there's maybe it's the male ego or something. He's like, I think I'm going to go and beat, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to win this round. And I, every time I go in, I come out of it with less respect for my fellow man. And that's what I'm saying is that why is that situation always occurring? Like every car I bought, man, especially as I got into the more expensive luxury cars, right? When I was dealing with Camrys and Priuses and Tercels, I didn't really have that problem, you know? But as I got into the, the, the more expensive cars, man, you walk out of there and after, even after like two weeks, you start reflecting and you go, did that dude just lie to me? He hustled me. You know, that dude's shady. And then you walk away from it. It's not, it's not even about the money. You just go, that dude lied. He lied from beginning to end. And then when it's, it, it catches up to you, you go in for service and the dude lied about all of it. He never included it. That's what I'm saying, Jeff. Like, how do we protect ourselves for the regular um, consumer? Well, I, like I said, I get back to the, the it, you just have to be, there's so much stuff on the internet and there's so much more knowledge that we have out there. But the best thing I can tell you is like, for me, if, if you called me again, I, I would probably say, son, sit there, I'll get there in, you know, 24 hours. I'm going to walk you <laughs> through the process. I'm going to take you down to see my guy and he's going to take care of you, whether you like it or not. And that's probably what I would have done at that point in time. I was like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know, it's like, um, I used to rep a lot of cars for Tim Allen, but I, you know, he, I would always sit back and I go, dude, the guy doesn't buy cars for me. I don't understand it. And it's because sometimes it's that thrill of the chase and people want that excitement yeah. and to yeah. do it themselves. And I get that. Um, yeah. The hard part is, is there's so many unknowns. There's so many variables, you know, like people ask me, Oh, is this, is this payment good on a lease? And I'm like, well, what's your money factor? And they're like, what do you mean? What's a money factor? And I'm like, well, it's the equivalent on a lease to what it would be as APR on a, on a regular loan. And what's your term? How many, you know, what's, how many miles are you getting a year? There's all these variables. So with the car dealerships, they kind of, and not all of them, that's what I'm trying to say. I don't, I don't want this to be like a bash on car dealers because my whole family in the business and I am too, but it's, uh, there's those people out there that are unscrupulous and they take advantage of people not knowing the situation. Um, other people are, you know, the, the biggest thing I can say is, you know, the internet departments are open for a reason and that's because they're, they're very competitive. And, um, you know, you just, you just kind of have to be armed and it's, it's like anything. It's like when I bought my first house, I was in the car business making really good money, but I look back at buying that house and, and man, I got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's because yeah. I didn't know how to buy a house. Yeah. I knew how to buy a car, but yeah. oh, damn. And, and I looked at it and, you know, they, they gave me like $250 of gift certificates to go to this steakhouse, you know, the realtor did. And I said, oh, you must have got me really good because I don't even give that to people I, you know, sell a car at full sticker for. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so <laughs> I, I think it's in every industry. There's always these people that take advantage of the situation. And unfortunately, like I said, you know, your experience left a bad taste in your mouth about that dealer and other things, but don't, you're not alone. I mean, I, I, you know, back uh, a few years ago, I bought Megan a Porsche Panamera for Valentine's day. And I bought it from a dealer and I called him up and, and, the, and the guy told me, I said, would you, would you wholesale that car to me? I'm a dealer, you're a dealer. He's like, Oh yeah, no problem. And then he said, Oh, our, you know, our owner drove this car. It was his personal car, blah, blah, blah. Well, long story short, I get the car. Um, uh, they they deliver it to the place on February 13th. We take it around the block. Meg absolutely loves it. You know, I, I'm the good guy that week for sure. And uh, the very next day we had a, a, a cold front move in, in in Dallas. So we went from, you know, 60 degrees into the 30s. Well, the suspension on the Panamera started acting up. And so I called the dealer and they're telling me they didn't know anything about it. Well, yeah, they didn't know anything about it because it's a $1,200 fix and they weren't going to do anything about it either. And that, that's why the car was for sale is the dealer did not, you know, want uh, to fix it and he wanted to pass it off on the next person. And mm. here I am, you know, think I know everything and sure I got a wholesale deal on the car, but now I've got a $1,200 repair bill you know, yeah, to fix yeah. the suspension. So yeah. it happens to everybody, you know, and um, I think it's just, you know, it goes back to, are you a good person or you're not, you know, and yeah. um, 
mm-hmm. I've had those deals where I've bought cars from people and I, I would go back and buy a hundred more from them. And then there's people that I, they have burned me once and then I'm over it, you know? Yeah. So. Yep. Buyer, yeah. buyer beware, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there's a lot, there's a lot more information out there on the internet nowadays. You know, I mean, back in the day we didn't have Carfax. Right. We didn't right. have a lot of stuff. And, yeah, exactly. and, I, and I can't stand shady people that would pass off cars that they knew had frame damage or they knew had body damage and, and all that stuff and pretend it didn't. That was, that's horrible. Horrific. It's strange to me in LA that car dealers would try to screw people over because it's, you know, it's, it's strange to me because it's such a car, car centric city and people are always in the business of buying cars here. And you think like the big picture is that you want the customer to come back, but yeah, man, you know, I, I dealt with a Mercedes and Porsche dealer locally in California. And I have to tell you, like aside from the business, these were some of the dirtiest human beings I've ever met. Like you just like felt it. You felt like, yeah, you're the dude that would sell your mother, you know, for, for a couple bucks. Like you, you throw her under the bus and you look at them and you go, why, why, why did I get the luck of the draw and have to deal with these people? Right. And it just, what, what, what I hate about it is that the whole, the whole ceremony of buying a car to me is so romantic because as a kid, when my parents would, have that opportunity to go get a car if used or new that whole dealership experience when i was a kid it was like going to disneyland i mean they had they had like merry-go-rounds you know you put the cord they had video games whatever to keep the kids occupied they had you know cotton candy and popcorn and, you know soda machine while the you know parents would the dad would go out on the lot and you know start talking to the dealer it was such a wonderful experience and and, and my dad never walked out or, you know, would never complain, like, you know, days later going, that was just a shitty dude. It was like a, a very cowboy way of, you know, you dealing with the cars, right? Like, and even if you didn't know too much, they made sure that, all right, we're going to tell you enough so you come back and you never feel like you were, you know, you were screwed or you were, you know, like you were bent over. And, and dude, man, in L.A., I, like, I dream about it. I get, because I have the Korean blood. I have that kimchi blood. Like, <laughs> I called you, Jeff, like, months later. It's like PTSD pissed off about something I found, that this dude had done something shady and just lied to me. And, like, I sit there and I go, I know, I can find, track down people that know the owner of the dealership. And then, like, really do something negative, right, to that person. Like, but why do you, why do you do that? Like I go, it's such a small town. Like, why do you fuck with people like that? Mm. You know, and I'm not talking about making money, but just pure lies, man. Just all fabrication, dude. You know. Well, and and you know, part of part of the structure, it, it, I have to blame the dealer principals. I have to blame the management staff that's involved. Um, I never ran any of the stores I worked for. I worked for Toyota. I worked for Ford. I worked for Mitsubishi. I worked for Chevrolet. I never, any store that I had any power as far as, as uh, structure went, I never ran them this way. But there's several stores. For one, um, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that that justifies why somebody does something or reacts the way they do, but, but hear me out. Longo Toyota, for the longest time in the world, you know, they're selling like 1,500 cars a month. I mean, the place is on fire. You know, it's the biggest thing ever. I think they have their own Starbucks now. But back in the day, if you were the lowest man on the totem pole. You could have sold 30 cars, but if that, if you're, if, if you're the lowest and the high and the next guy above you sold 32, you were fired. No ifs, ands, or buts. You were given a warning and then you were fired. So the pressure cooker that goes on with that in sales is, is unbelievable. There's a lot of stress that goes into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so from a standpoint of making your month and doing stuff, it's, you're, you're not guaranteed a paycheck. Um, you know, if you're one of those aggressive stores where you're making 25 to 30%, which is probably unheard of nowadays, but that's what I used to make per car deal. Um, you, you know, you want all those sales and and you may do things that may come across immoral. You know, I would never do that. I never crossed that line because it wasn't worth it to me. You know, um, I was the kind of guy that if you walked on the lot right now and you said to me, Hey, I want to go look at these conversion bins <laughs> and this is people you can, uh, you can talk to any of my customers. They'll tell you, 
I would steer them away from those conversion vans because those are like the worst investment ever. You buy one of those and you're already buried like 15 grand. I would switch those people to Suburbans. And was that in the best of my interest? No, it probably wasn't because there was a boat, there was a shit ton of profit in those conversion vans. I mean, I could have made eight to $10,000 profit, which would have given me 25, like I said, 25, 30% of that would have come to me. But instead, I would flip them to a Suburban, which was there was about four grand profit in. And uh, I'd be happier and know that if that customer came back to me a year or two later down the line, I can get him out of the car. And I think that's the problem everybody has is there's so many dealers, there's so many deals that they're not looking at you as a customer for life anymore. They're looking looking at you as a customer right now. And how are you going to handle, you know, make my house payment now? I don't care about the future. I don't care if you come back to me because there's a bunch of other people. And that's like the wrong approach. The guys that are very successful in this business and have moved from store to store to store usually take their customer base with them. And those are the guys that will sell you multiple cars throughout the year. And people will track you down and come back and buy other cars from you. And um, that's what you want. But like I said, there's simple rules. That's like common sense for anything, right? Like, yeah, it just. It's like, why, yeah. but it's like, you know, son, it's kind of like, I mean, to compare the car business in, in, a, in an abstract way, it's like, why do we have good cops, bad cops? Why is there corrupt people? And it's just in any industry. I think the, the reason the car business gets picked on as much as it does is the fact that it's the second biggest expense that somebody will make in their lifetime. Yeah, but it's not even that. It's like, it's not the money issue. It's the, you know, it's the evil eye. You ever see somebody, you've experienced it where somebody says a whole bunch of bullshit to you, right? And when I, when I was young, I didn't have that radar where they're, they're smiling and they're like, hey, yeah, 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 we, we love you, we love you. But you never see, we love you, and then you turn around, like you never see that turnaround look. It's like out of a movie, it's like, oh, I love you, I love you. And then she turns around, she's like, like that, right? <laughs> That's how I fe- felt how I feel at these car dealerships is like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. 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 Hey, we love you. We love you. And it, it turns around like, let's fuck this dude. Right. And like you feel it. And then I'm looking at them going, yo man, I'm almost 50 years old. Like I've been around to know when I meet bad people and my last experience, man, like I felt like it was, I was around the best actors ever because they were such con men and what, and what, and, and look, I get it. Everybody needs to make money, Jeff. I'm not ragging on like, you know, car dealers, like, you know, making a profit. We all need that. That's business capitalism. I'm all for that. I'm just talking about, yo, some of these dudes were just shady. Like you could tell, like, you were shady as people. Everything you're telling me is a lie. Like they pinpoint what they think your interests are. They ask you certain questions, like where are you from? Are you, you know, are you religious based? Like, what are your values? Are you into chicks? You know, they can kind of throw a little things and if you respond and they're going to gear the conversation. And if I told them, yeah, I'm actually like a Tibetan monk, they would probably say, yeah, I'm also a monk as well. Right. They, they, but they, it was just dirty, man. It's just greasy, dude. Like I, st- I st- I'm still talking about this. was like, two and I'm still fucking pissed, man. Mm-hmm. There are days where I wake up and I'm going, I'm going to get all those motherfuckers fired. And I went back <laughs> to the dealer. I, right. I swear, man, like, I get so angry because I go, you fucking lied to me over what? Like a hundred bucks, dude. Like, but it was just full on lying, like full on lying. Like my kids and my mother's sick kind of bullshit, like that kind of stuff. And that's the stuff that I, I just like, I'm sweating. I'm so angry. Dave. Like, all right, Dave, you take over. You have, you have this, you have the same issue I do, but on a different playing field. I got, I got played not that long ago. Well, I guess it's been a few years ago, but um, buddy of mine calls me. He says, hey, I'm working on this movie, um, and there's an opportunity for you. One of the executive producers of this movie wants a Prius for his wife for Christmas. And mind you, I'm in Texas, and they're in California. And he said, can you make this happen? And I go, well, what's the deal? And he goes, well, he only wants to pay you know, uh, $200 over invoice or whatever. And this is when the, the, the Prius just first came out and it was the hottest thing since sliced bread, especially in LA. Everybody's like, Ooh, I'm gonna get rid of my Bentley and drive a Prius. 
you know, and, and I, I saw no significant value in a Prius whatsoever, nor do I still to this day. But I was like, all right, so I make a phone call. I call my buddy at the Toyota store in California. I say, hey, can you do me a solid favor? He said, I can, Jeff, but I can't, I can't sell one for that low. And I said, well, what can you do? He told me the deal. Well, the carrot was thrown out to me that in this production of this major motion picture that Mr. Moi, Jeff Allen, was going to get a, a little uh, small bit part in the show. So I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm motivated. I book an airplane flight. I go out there. I meet my friend at the dealership. We pick the car up. We drive it to the studio. I do the walk around. And guess what? When it came down to it, the car ended up being 400 over invoice, not 200 because I couldn't get it. So who came up with the 200? <laughs> Out of my pocket. I was like, hey, here's the deal. You know, and then the, the, I go, when do I show up for makeup and wardrobe? Yeah. They said, hey, we're filming in Prague. Make sure you have your passport ready. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't have a passport. So the moment I got back to Lubbock, went down and filed for a passport. It's not a lot of money to get it expressed, but I did. And I was ready to go to Prague. Well, guess what? Prague came and went, and Jeff did not get to go on that ride. But oh. he sure he sure got the Prius, you know, oh. and for 200 over, even though the contract read 400 over because I kicked in the extra 200. So there you go. It, it, I think it's just – it comes back to there's not enough people out there with a moral compass in any industry, you know. I mean, look at these people that are hoarding toilet paper and selling it for shit tons, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Literally, it's like, what are you doing, people? Yeah, you know? I know. Yeah, yeah I have toilet still, paper now on loan, so I got to return it back after I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Or hand sanitizer. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, this is crazy. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's the that biggest deal. And I think part of it is like, um, you know, I, I laugh my ass off every time I see Kurt Russell in the movie Used Cars. I laughed. Oh, that's a great film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great film, and it shows what the car business is about. And uh, there's another movie that's like, uh, I think it went straight to the video, but I love the first 15 minutes of it because that's how I was inducted into the car business. It's called a movie called Suckers. And those sales meetings and shit, I lived through that. And that shit was legit. Uh, The movie gets really weird with a drug deal involved and all that. And that's... That's you know a little far fetched, but the first fifteen minutes about when he gets in there and starts his sales meeting about how we're gonna fuck them and all that stuff. When you when you see that, you're like, wow! And and I lived that. And I can always tell those people that are, you know, like whoever did that movie, suckers. They they were in the car business. Yeah, whether they were putting themselves yeah. through film school or whatever, they yeah. they lived it because you would not know those details right. unless you were there. So, right. Yeah. 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 Um, hey, so we should get to some of the cool cars that. Wait, what do you? What did you bring today? Are you at your warehouse or where are you? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm lucky enough that in this quarantine time, yeah. that uh, I, I'm I'm quarantined in my building. So oh, cool. we moved we moved to Albuquerque, and uh, I'm so happy that I didn't get a house. I bought two commercial buildings in downtown Albuquerque, so I have yeah. between the two streets, I have thirty thousand square feet to roam. And oh my I, lord! I, wow. I think I, yeah, I think if I was at a house right now, I'd be like on the roof. I don't even know. I don't know what I would wow. do. So wow. I would lose it. So yeah, it's so, kind of nice because you know it's given me time. I mean, I put the showroom together. Not that it matters because nobody comes can come in anyway uh but uh so yeah it's just my own like kind of hideaway is there a car you want to car you want to show us like that's the special to you currently um sure i mean i would love to show you whatever i mean i have tons of cars that are special um every one of them's really special to me but uh i you know i've got this car behind me the reason it's in the, the the car the reason this car is in the showroom uh behind me here is because uh, Jeremy Fry is a good buddy of mine. He's a stuntman that drove this car, and he's a really small dude. So, I I got the original seats to put back in it to make it like a daily driver because it's it's a phenomenal car. But can we uh, can you give us a walk around? Can we? See yeah, it? for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we go. We get up and show you. So, flip your camera around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah, that looks. So wow. this is it. It's a it's a '64 uh, Corvette convertible, 
And uh, it, this this number, number sixty seven, and actually the 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 scheme of this car and all these logos and sponsors was actually a uh, done to replicate a car that did race um, during the time that uh, Ford versus Ferrari was taking place. So um, they tried to keep it as authentic as possible, even what down to the. Who was that in? Ford versus Ford Ferrari. Versus Ferrari. Yeah. yeah, and you can Which see even, was it even down Which? to the. Which well, scene was, was this in? This was in Daytona. Uh, when they raced in Daytona, you can see even the, the prop sticker in the window. But then oh. the car was restriped and it ran at Willow Springs too. So, um, you know, when I got oh. the car, uh, it didn't have the interior in it. Um, it was stripped out. And I said, well, I want to make it a little more uh, fun. So I put the door panels back on, as you can tell, oh, right there. And then I, so I put Jeff, the Oh, yeah. When they do a picture car, what did they like? What did they actually modify? Like, how did that car start before it actually got on camera? Can you kind of walk David through that or us? Through oh, that? sure. With this car, um, what they did to it was um, they were going off of original photos of the actual car that raced. So for for most of these cars, would have had full chrome bumpers in the front. It would have had a factory grill when it came out. It wouldn't have had these wheels on it for sure and then um the suspension and everything has been modified for this because they actually drove this car on all the tracks but they mm -hmm. removed all the bumpers which would have been par for the course and then the biggest thing is 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 uh, it, you know to protect the people driving is this cage they put in the car yeah. mm -hmm. as you can tell so and and when i got the car i had no carpet in it but the guy gave me the carpet that came out of the car you know, the door panels and the door sill plates and uh, everything. And we put the carpet back in the car because it just kind of finished it off a little better. And then I had the factory seats and I thought, oh, I'm going to put those back in. But it's, we would have to cut out all this. Oh, yeah. And, and, and see how that tiny seat, it's almost like yeah. a baby seat. It's like a I mean, baby seat. <laughs> yeah, it's like Jeremy Fry, a little baby seat. I don't mind picking on him because uh, <laughs> he, he's a good friend. But I'm like, dude, really? That's like a that's like a child, you know, a kid's seat that you put in the back. And, and I can fit like one butt cheek in, um, <laughs> and, and I've driven this car, uh, but, you know, some, you could probably drive it, you know, but, uh, but my, my, you know, I'm like a cheek, maybe cheek and a half right now to get in there, <laughs> but it, it's fun, you know? And, and the thing I love about movie cars is the fact that, um, you know, it's so expensive to do a movie, as you guys know, and all that stuff. But the cars mm -hmm. have to perform. They they can't have a yeah. bad day. Yeah, yeah. They, they, so they got to start and run really good. And this car is definitely uh, one of those. And then, actually, um, <laughs> another funny thing is this is, well, this is probably going to be Sung's one day, this little dude right here. Oh, I love man. Car. But this, I love it because I, this, I love this car. I got so this. what is that? It's a package deal. This is a 356 replica. Um, it's a coupe. And the guy who did Ford versus Ferrari, if you saw the movie, you know that uh, Matt Damon as Carol Shelby shows up in a speedster when he goes to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Well, wow. that was at the request of the director because the director thought because of the success of the Cobra that Carol mm -hmm. should be seen driving a, a convertible. Um, you know, the guy that did these cars for the movie thought that Carol should show up in this coupe which is exceptionally well built um it's very 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 well done and it's got that whole outlaw oh, man, too, which I, I love, love the colors yeah isn't it cool, the contrast yeah. color? And I, oh yeah you know what i love is this check this out i love this steering wheel oh see that horn button yeah, yeah. this is uh what? this is some kind of saint the saint of travel and uh oh, it's very saint popular. of travel wow yeah, it's supposed to like give you good luck, and so this is that, was is a, that a real saint? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. some kind. Of, yeah, no, I, I looked it up because I was like, I'd never seen this before, and I thought, what is this emblem, you know, on a Porsche? And uh, I, all these people just chimed in immediately, like, "Hey, idiot, that's the saint of travel." That's but is that for? Did that come on a factory car, or is that just a replica steering wheel? And they they made that. What they Where did was this. This wheel was uh, a very popular modification to a 356 back in the day. Oh, these these banjo wheels were, and they're the, they're the ones that had the uh, 
these horn buttons that were different. And so uh, since this is an outlaw version, just kind of like this right here, which I think is so sick, but you got stopwatches. Oh, on wow. Look at that. Isn't that cool? That yeah. is amazing. That's really cool. Wow. He had me at the stopwatches, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm buying it." That was a tipping point. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was done with that. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. Thanks, thanks. So I told Sung he'd come out and pick it up anytime. Drive yeah. it, whatever <laughs> oh, he wants to do, man. Um, so, oh, whoops, I've go. always wanted to get a replica 356 because buying an original, getting an original, they're so expensive, and you know. And the engines are so old, and they're never reliable. But these replicas, what what's in there? A Volkswagen engine? What do you got? Like yeah, yeah, it's a Volkswagen engine. It's a it's a seventeen um, seventy six with headwork. So it's a it's about a hundred horsepower. Wow. So uh, which is plenty for this car. Yeah. Trust me, it's plenty. Oh, yeah. So you can see, and I just love the old school stacks. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then you know you even got like the the stickers that he put on there with the it, these are the oil changes that, and stuff. That and it is, just that is great. That is yeah, cool. I'm gonna so, I'm gonna I'm gonna own that car one day. That car specifically because I knew I know that. I, yeah, yeah, you, I you told look you, good. I said, you look good. But in I, that need, I need it. Yeah, but it, but that could be a daily driver, right, Jeff? Totally, that could be daily. Yeah. Oh, it's a it, it's a daily all day long. I mean, it's it's a blast to drive. People trip out on it, you know. And I just love the the little. You know, stickers, everything they put on this car, you know, just made it really super cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, these two, um, I brought this one in so it keep miles off of it for Sung, because if I had it in the outside <laughs> shop, I would probably drive it too much. And then this car I put in because you saw the baby seat. So very difficult for me to drive, but it could be driven daily. And then these three other ones over here, the the Model A, the other Model A, wow. and the Roadster. These all just came back of a, from a movie that was being filmed in California that will be coming out hopefully pretty soon once we get back on track. Is that um, on Hush Hush? Which yeah, film? I mean, I, I, I will tell you this. It's a David Fincher movie. So that doesn't give it away, but uh, it's going to... Ah, I saw David get excited there. Yeah, right oh, on. You just you said the magic word. <laughs> yeah, this one right here, this is Megan's, and uh, it's a funny story. When I bought it, I bought it specifically wow. for, for this you movie. For her? Well, she took claim to it because oh, okay. what happened was, <laughs> I, was I was buying. They said, "Yeah, I was buying these cars to supply them for the movie." And Meg said, uh, when she saw this one, she goes, "Hey, I'm sorry, this one's really too nice to rent out." And uh, wow. she's probably right. It was a nut and bolt restoration car, and uh, the only thing that's been changed on any of these cars is they've been switched from six volt to twelve, just to mm. make them more you know, reliable, you know, and stuff like that. But this car, when you look inside of it, you can just see it's, it's all like, uh, old hey, school Jeff, cool. so that six volt, 12 volt situation, does that mean that these cars were six volt positive ground cars and they converted them to 12 volt positive ground or they converted to 12 volt negative ground? They, they, pull, they, they switched them over to 12 volt negative ground. They, okay. they would have started as six volt positive ground. Right. Yeah, and, and this is the this is the only one that still is that way, right here. Uh, that's an interesting. So, what do you rims. think we should? Do? do you think I need to convert Opa over to positive uh, negative ground because it's a positive ground car, and I wanted to keep it positive just for the story. Like how that's it's so rare to find a positive ground car, right? But what yeah, and, and I mean it's, it's it's your whole your whole system's just a little different. So I wouldn't change it because that car is just too cool, and it's such a story. Um, and I, I really probably wouldn't have changed any of these if they weren't already done. Um, and they did that for more reliable, re reliability issues. They went from generators to all generators, you know, and it's just a better, it's just a better way of running a vehicle, you know, um, it's just technology upgrades and, but I, I wouldn't have changed these if they wouldn't have been that, that way already. So. Because now know. they're time capsules. There's like, you want to keep it positive ground just to show, look, it's so rare to be able to, I don't know, I can't even really explain to you how positive ground works yet because I've been fully understand, I've been fully studied or cracked it. But the fact that we could talk about positive ground, negative ground, like David has no idea what we're talking about, right? I'm, no I, I'm, I, it's like uh, the Charlie Brown wah wah, but you know, I, I'm getting the, 
I'm getting the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, d- d- trust me, Song, you're not alone because other than having to deal with it on a certain cars, I am no expert when it comes to positive ground. I mean, it, it's just like, it's kind of mind blowing. It's kind of like, what do you mean positive, but it's the ground. I mean, it's just, it's just the way they, I guess it's like ACDC, right? The, the way the currents run yeah. or the way the setup was, you know, and then a yeah. generator would generate electricity versus a alternator, which was able to make electricity and put it back in the battery. I mean, it, you know, that, that's still probably above my pay grade too. So don't, yeah. don't feel bad, David, because I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to that either. I, I know? know how to put the key in and turn it and turn the wheel and press the gas. So I'm, yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Sung's Garage. Now be sure to tune in for part two of our podcast with Jeff Allen, where he shows us more of his car collection and more stories about the fast and furious cars he's owned. As always, let's all continue to stay indoors if possible and stay safe during these tough times. For all those medical first responders who are essential people helping, I truly send my thanks to all of you. All right. Y'all be good. So I'm going to give a shout out to all the people that made Sounds Garage possible. we got producers Anson Ho, Sal Gatula, Gary Lee, Aaron Strongoni. we got music by the one and only talented Lyrics Born. And we got food, catering, and hugs and love by Mickey Ann. All right. Thank you very much. And also, all of you guys that are listening. Till next time. Peace out. See you at Sounds Garage.